I have dealt with many health problems and doctors I've seen just want to prescribe me more medication. Dr. Kylie aims to target the cause of your health issues instead of simply masking the symptoms. After less than just two months working with her, me and my husband have seen huge improvements. I love that all the supplements are natural as well. JC, what can just 21 days do for your health, your energy, your relationships? Say yes to yourself and let's celebrate next. We begin the 21-day Permission to Heal Boot Camps, September 6th. Go to drkylieburton.com and pick the one that's right for you. Practitioners, we are forming an army together. Let's step into our purpose all while leveling up together. Come join me inside the Beyond the Diagnosis Mastermind, btdmastermind.com. Doors close September 6th. And I can't wait to see you on our first group call. So I'll see you on the inside. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. I have a special, special treat for you because... The supplements I recommend are a supplement company called Systemic Formulas. I've always heard me discuss them, but today I have the man behind the scenes with me. He is the formulator of a majority of those supplements, and we're going to walk through not only his experience with the supplement world over the last 25 years, but how he formulates those stuff and his new stuff coming out. This is Dr. Shane Morris. It's a pleasure. Thanks for uh, having me on. Thanks, Dr. Shane. You have a PhD in molecular biology and biochemistry. You're way smarter than me that I can know and I do know and I know before the moment I even met you. And you've also been in the supplement world since 1984. So you've seen a lot of changes. A lot of changes. And, you know, it began with my grandfather's company. And that's really how I got started as a really working in the manufacturing side. So the, one of the amazing aspects of the industry is not only to watch it evolve and mature uh, because it was very fractured in the beginning. It was just a lot of very small businesses trying to bring health and wellness to the world. And they learned that at least, you know, in, in the eighties, we learned it from what we call traditional medicine people, whether they be native American, the Ayurvedic, the traditional Chinese, this is really where its foundations began and were imported into the United States. And and of course, we adopted those. The idea of the whole body wellness, lifestyle wellness, and all of that. And, And of course, it was quite foreign at the time, because that's also a time when medicine, as we know it, was trying to shift us from that model to the model that, you know, we currently have using allopathic medicine. So it was really exciting. It really was exciting. And there was a lot of concern from the regulatory side. So I was able to move through that journey and work on regulatory guidelines. I was able to be on committees, steering committees, scientific committees to help us turn it into an industry that was not only respectable to ourselves, but respectable to the greater community. And when you think back on it, take vitamin D, for example, vitamin D was something we were prescribing as a health benefit back in the 80s and 90s. It wasn't until recently that everything else is caught up. Probably one of the most exciting things about what we do is we are ahead of the curve. We're able to get into health and wellness long before it's recognized scientifically. And that was the reason, as you mentioned, my degrees, that's the reason I got into it is I was in that industry early on 
I realized there was a complete absence of science, essentially. And so academically, we were able to pursue natural product sciences. And it was like a kid in a candy store, a kid in a toy store. Everything we looked at, every herb we looked at, you know, the herbs would affect us genetically. Herbs would affect the microbiome. We ended up, you know, learning more about things about our immune and our genetics and our brain and all the axes that we now refer to, the gut-brain axis, the liver axis, the triad. It just became so exciting for me that I, I kept in the industry, but I also pursued the academics of it. And that was why I'm passionate about it, even though it's probably also in my genes, given my grandfather and now, you know, it's probably somewhere deep inside my genetics. It's so fun to do. It really was. It was a passion of mine. And we have to have passions to drive us. If you've been in the industry for that long, you've seen some ugly things and you've yes. seen some really good things and you've seen everything in between. Indeed. What is the one and, of the ugliest things you've seen? You know, and it's still happening a little bit, but in the beginning, in the early days, every time a discovery was made, and, a, and as I mentioned, discoveries were coming out so rapidly in the natural products, you know, what vitamins were good for. If you think back in the fifties of everything was a vitamin, because we didn't know what they were in the blood. We had barely uncovered the structure of DNA in the fifties. And so there was so much coming out about our bodies, how our cells work. We, you know, we're identifying the mitochondria. Mitochondria is now a central feature of our cellular healing paradigm. But back then we didn't even know what it was. We didn't know anything about it. And so as these discoveries were being made, you had these people that got into the industry and tried to make money off of various herbs or vitamins or other nutrients, amino acids, but they didn't have the passion nor the science to back up what they were doing. And what would happen is they would capture some of the market and then the FDA would come in and say, well, what is it that you're selling? And it would turn out that, you know, it could have been high in toxins or it could have been not even the plant that they intended because they weren't doing the proper analysis to show that it was echinacea or it was ginseng. And people were flooding the market with less than appropriate products. You know, it put it in that framework. I'm not going to call them criminal, but what that did is that shifted the mindset from, oh, this is a stable amazing industry to questionable industry. You know, you had things like charlatans, you had the, you know, these pop-up stores that were peddling things that necessarily weren't part of our industry, but they tarnished our industry in, our industry in some sense. So it was nice to see, I don't like a lot of regulation that is ineffective and unimportant. However, we need, we did at the time need to move us into a place where we were delivering amazing herbal nutrient probiotic formulas way before we even understood the impact of their of them on our health we just started to peel back the onion saying look at what this can do what else can it do what are the other layers behind this now you fast forward 36 years later and that onion you know we're maybe halfway through it and the amount of health change is phenomenal. We couldn't have even predicted what we can become as health and wellness people. I mean, we, we have the power to tackle almost any problem that we have on the planet, whether it be the human or the, or the environment. I mean, we, we have the tools that protect animals, microorganisms, oceans, coral reefs, you know, that, that's all connected. That was completely ignored back then. And we now are learning as we peel this back that we have so many amazing tools and that's why I do what I do. And of course, 
you know, as we'll get into later, one of my passions is the microorganisms that live on us and among us and in every pet we own or every farm animal. I mean, they're just everywhere and they're just amazing. Yeah, the bugs. And this the man bugs. is a genius when it comes to the bugs. <laughs> the bug. Love the bugs. Right? It's my second especially, family. Yes, especially for you with how much time you spend them in, inside the lab. The supplement world has gone through big time changes. What was the most beneficial change you saw? Well, I think one of the most beneficial changes, we stopped being perceived as folk medicine, as just natural medicine that didn't have a functional reason. And scientists globally in academia, for the most part, you know, during the 80s and 90s, and even now, academia has now embraced the science of natural products. I mean, everything that they're doing is, is proving some of the hypotheses that we've had for 30 years, you know, vitamin D, turmeric, you know, just herbs in general, probiotics, you know, probiotics were seen as just this weird, why are you eating a bug that comes in a powder form? What is wrong with you? One of the negative aspects of that is we also went through this sterility momentum where we were prescribing antibiotics for everything. We were flooding our environment with 80,000 man-made chemicals. These are all in general are antimicrobial in nature. They're endocrine disruptors. They're androgen disruptors. There's so many things we've learned about what not to do. And we were doing that when we thought that was the answer to our, our health crisis. All it was, yeah. was exacerbating the health crisis. And so one of the best things I've seen is science, which is way ahead of medicine, by the way, is looking at these natural and way ahead saying, of the law. Let's add that to way ahead of the law. Yes. And we're looking at those things saying, wait a second, we have the answers. Why is it no one's listening? Well, now people are listening. So I would say that the most amazing thing has happened is science is catching up with what we consider health paradigm medicine. And now we're validated. We have all these validations coming out saying, ha, we're right. We know how to do it. Listen, stop. We can prevent so many things with our tools. And in the process, we don't damage nature. We don't introduce toxins into nature that don't leave for 2000, 3000 years. You know, a lot of the toxins we've introduced will, will remain in our soils and in our water for, you know, the next 10 generations and they will be dealing with what we've done. We don't do that. We make a much bigger impact in a much better way. The older generation, like I think about my grandparents and, and they're very pharmaceutical driven. Whenever I get a patient or a client who say, you know what, can you help my dad? Can you help my mom? I'm always hesitant because they've been so indoctrinated with what it was 30 years ago. This unregulated, let's throw an herb out. No one has any quality resources or anything about it, but we're starting to change that mindset. And I'm seeing it with the more patients I get that are 70, 80, 80 years old. That's pretty cool. What's the best thing you've seen in the supplement world? The best thing, I would say that regular model of science and medicine has transformed the way we think about our own health. They did create tools and they created very expensive tools, tools that we in this industry could have never have afforded, like the genetic tools that we can now use to um, scan the entire human body for the genes and what our genes are made up of and the 25,000 functional genes we have and what it means to be unique and what can be personalized for you. And then the next generation of that, the next generation of sequencing we went through were the microbiome sequencing, where we can look at all the organisms. And it didn't just help out 
us as humans and how we can interrelate with our environment. But it helped us with animals and with the oceans. And we were able to dig deeper into the DNA and understand with these tools, which we couldn't have otherwise. The money that went into the initial human sequencing and the initial microbiome sequencing allowed people like me to invest in those tools at a much lower rate because they were developed by the big money. And now I can get access to them and we can use them for so much more powerful means than they were originally designed for that. So this technology increase has allowed us to transform. I can, I can genetically sequence an herb to tell you what that herb is. If it comes in as a powder and I don't have to risk giving someone the wrong herb. I didn't have all those tools to say, this is absolutely the correct herb, genetically speaking, not just visual or smell. I certainly can use it in many ways like that. Probiotics, herbs, even amino acids. We can now look at them in detail using these tools. So that's been a huge transformation of what we can deliver to a patient as we personalize medicine. And that's the future. Your genetics and my genetics are not the same. Our microbiomes aren't the same. And so I need to understand what you need relative to who you are, your ancestry, your environment, you know, and your goals in life. And we can personalize with respect to that. And those tools allow us to do that. And that's amazing future of what we're doing. And I know what you have in your lab, some of the best in the West, because you've got people like University of Utah, Weber State coming down to see your lab. Take us behind the scenes in your lab. Yeah, we, our lab, it's nice to break down the lab and this is going to get a little nerdy and a little technical for many people. And I apologize if I use words, but we have what we consider the quality control or the chemistry side. We have the quality control for microbiological side, and then we have our genetics facility, and then we have our microbiome facility. If you look at the chemistry side, it uses things like mass spectrometers. It uses inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometers. And what this, this allows us like, to do- oh, Kim. Yeah. Flashback that I never <laughs> yeah. want to go it, to again. <laughs> yeah. It's that, it's that class that everybody's like, why am I here? What it allows us to do is we can look at elements that you see on the periodic table. We can look at molecules down to the atomic level to decide, do we have this compound in this plant, this compound produced by this bacterium? We can look at the DNA in our genetics lab. And and just recently, to give you an example, in an upcoming product, it's all soil-based organisms. And there's only so many ways to get soil-based organisms on the planet that are now accepted as probiotics. We had one come through the lab. And when we did the genetic analysis of it, it didn't match. So there are companies producing probiotics that don't match what they're supposed to be genetically. Therefore, we we let them know, you know, sadly, we have to let them know that this is not what it's intended to be. And we want to identify the right organisms so that I'm using the organisms that I want, that I know have the clinical outcomes that I want. And without genetics, I never would have known that. It would have just been a probiotic. And most people go by the counts. You know, if you have 30 billion, 10 billion, whatever that is, 5 billion, no one's looking at the genetic makeup of each of those organisms to make sure it's not only at the right count, but it's the right organism genetically. And and that's going to become more and more important in the future because every organism has characteristics that give it its beneficial nature to humans. And that's really some of the things we've seen come through. We used to see a lot of mislabeled herbs. 
where they would claim one thing, but they're not. So we have been able to weed those out. And now we have really longstanding relationships with suppliers. They know what we're doing. So they don't sell us anything yeah. because they're going to get caught. You will get the best stuff because you, you are get, checking you on the back them. end. Yeah. yeah. And heavy metals are no different. You know, heavy metals are rampant. Uh, they exist everywhere. And we've been able to even find where there are hot spots in the globe. A landmass that was created by volcanic activity, you're going to find certain heavy metals there. If you have other plants that are grown in areas that didn't get rid of leaded gas until recently, you're going to have issues with lead because they kept the gas around so long and so on. So we've been able to not only identify the herbs and things we care about, but we now have global maps of places that, you know, we talk to the people there and make sure that they've done a lot of reclamation of soils and organic soils to get rid of what we've put into that, that soil for the last hundred years you know, during the industrial revolution. So it's really been fun from an environmental as well as a, a healing model. Yeah, we're exactly where you're getting your sources and even breaking down, like you said, the literal genetic code. And if there is one letter yeah. off, it's not right. And you'll make yeah. it right, which is why your supplements work so well. I know when I got introduced to them, it was like, why am I using anything else? <laughs> and yeah, that's I all I use now is the seven formulas. You know, and going to the story, my grandfather created many of the formulas as well. And we've been able to validate with all these tools, his original premise, which was not only his, but through, you know, very robust and ancient healing techniques, proving that what a medicine man knew or woman knew a thousand years ago, it's now being proven correct. And so it's really fun to see this evolutionary proof of concept from people that were using herbs in very specific ways, we can now scientifically validate that. And that's quite rewarding, I have to say. It's rewarding to see this validation of ancient wisdom, so to speak. Yeah. And in college, we only took one one class on pharmaceuticals in chiropractic school, and it, it blew my mind. I had, I have a cousin who's a pharmacist and it was like, my respect for him went way higher, just understanding how much they know about the drug and all the side effects, the interactions. And those yeah. interactions are the same thing that we're, you're discovering with the herb side of the natural world. You give somebody an herb, it's going to have multiple effects on a wide variety of systems. And just knowing all of those interactions are, are big. Absolutely. And that's where genetics comes into personalized because your liver enzyme genes that allow you to, you know, the epigenetics of your body make you produce different enzymes or different amounts of enzymes in your liver than I do. Therefore, some of the herbs for you may be beneficial, whereas for me, they might be inactive. And I need to adjust either the dose or the type of herb based on our personalized genetics and in our ancestry's genetics, you know, where you come from. And, and, and of course, then we get into the whole story of where we're from, what our circadian rhythms are like, because every organ in your body has its own circadian rhythm. You know, your eyes have a rhythm, so does your brain, so does your gut and so on. These are all the future of where we're headed to personalize these choices, you know, in these, these prescriptions. Yeah. And as we're talking about personalization, functional medicine is personalized when it's done right. That doesn't mean you just take the same probiotic forever or 
a generalized probiotic. And this is where you specialize in this bug world. The bug world. So tap me into your head about the bug world. I love the bug world. And and my passion for that goes back many years too, because in, in college, we, we used probiotics and that was in the nineties. And of course that well before they were recognized as the, the important aspect of the microbiome, which wasn't really part of our vernacular until 2007 to 2009, when the human microbiome project took off both here and in Europe. And we used to think of organisms, microorganisms as dangerous. And you probably recall as many of your listeners do, we spent decades trying to kill everything. You know, we were trying to do this annihilation, sterilize your body, sterilize your gut, sterilize everything. In fact, the more sterile, the better. That turns out to be the absolute incorrect way to go because the microorganisms are no different to your body as your liver or your spleen or your brain. It is an organ that helps define you and place you on this planet in a thriving manner. If you destroy it, you're going to end up with all the consequences, which we're now facing the chronic issues. So the microbiome is central to the health and really the relationship of your body to the planet and all the chronic issues that we face have a a root in the microbiome. You can't disconnect the microbiome from these issues, whether it be the inflammatory issues or the autoimmune issues, you know, developmental issues, endocrine and so on. And, And of course, they've probably seen the new resurgence of brain health, psychological health. There is a absolute connection between the microbiome and the brain And it's mediated in many cases through the vagal nerve, which is a giant nerve that travels from the brain to just the gastrointestinal organs, really amazing science coming out. And because the microbiome is central and it's now seen as a critical player in our world, we want to change the mindset of people. We now have genetics to tell us that we are a certain amount of individuals regarding our own genetics. We have, you know, the genes and the epigenetics that drive who we are, what we look like, how we behave, but the microbiome adds over a hundred times the number of genetic adaptations that your own body does. And because we have these thousands of species, trillions of organisms on us and in us, they drive the ability for your body to not only navigate this planet, but also to thrive. And when that microbiome is in a has been threatened by chemicals, toxins, uh, antibiotics and stress and other things, you know, poor food, we're being attacked from all areas, our water sources, our food sources, the air that's threatening that organ and that organ, when it's not functioning properly, we call it dysbiosis and dysbiosis is one of the causal factors to a lot of the things that you and your clinicians see on a daily basis. How do we reverse that? That's one of our goals of the microbiome project at least in our lab is let's look at healthy people. Let's look at people that have dysbiosis and dysfunction and let's start to look at what kinds of microbiomes reflect a more healthy microbiome. And and it's not just work we're doing. There's now multiple labs globally, academically, as well as in a commercial sense, looking at a healthy microbiome and it covers various aspects. We are an ecosystem. We are in our own planetary model. We have rainforests inside of our stomach. We have deserts on our arms. We have oceans inside of our urogenital. You know, there's so many, and and the microbiomes inhabit every niche in our body. We're no longer sterile. We used to think of babies as sterile. Babies have a microbiome 
now before they're born. Every part of our body is now colonized by these amazing symbiotic organisms. I want to focus on that one point where we talk about this microbiome and we immediately just assume small intestines, large intestines, this gut microbiome, when it is so much more than that. You just said it it covers our skin, it covers our organs, it's in our organs. Like it is who we are. Yeah. And the more we look, the more we find. Again, technology has allowed us to look. So it's a good point. Microbiome. And I should probably define the microbiome. That's one word. And there's a lot of words that I hope everybody starts to learn. We have the microbiota, which is a word for the actual bacteria. We have a mycobiota, which is the fungi that we live with. And then we also have a virome, which is all of all the viruses that we live with. And each and every one of these plays. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Viruses. You're telling me that we live with viruses all the time. All the time. All the time. We have a ton of viruses that we live and have amazing relationships with, by the way. Let's say someone came to you and said, I want to eradicate viruses from your body. Your body would suffer tremendously from that action. So we do not want to eradicate viruses. Intellectually look at the pathogens versus the beneficial viruses. And there are numerous more beneficial viruses than pathogens, by the way. There are so many that we have, and and they come in two classes. There are the human or the mammalian viruses that we're familiar with. And then there are the, what we call the bacterial phage. And these are viruses that attack only bacteria. And if you think about it, these are the viruses that help keep your bacteria in check, get rid of overpopulations. They get rid of bacteria that shouldn't be there during dysbiosis. And they happen to be one of the canaries in the coal mine. You can, if you destroy your phage, that's one of the, the preceding events that can cause dysbiosis. It can allow other bacterium to grow that used to be kept in check by phage and phage are everywhere. If you go to the ocean, if you swim in rivers and lakes, which I of course want to encourage getting into the environment because phage are everywhere and they change the way your microbiome behaves. So they're an absolute critical part of our, our life cycle. So yeah, we have the microbiome, which is the bacterium and there's a number of kinds of bacteria. We won't get into that. We have the mycobiome, which is the fungi we live with. And of course you, you and your listeners probably, I'm sure aware of the dangerous fungi, you know, black mold and some of those issues that create toxic events. However, there's a, there's a number of fungi that we really embrace and they're symbiotic. They, they maintain our health. They educate our immune system. They allow us to travel through the forest and enjoy it. And we're breathing in tons of fungi every minute. It's just amazing what we're exposed to. All of these events collectively are called the symbiotics where we have a holobiont, which is you. you are, you're considered a holobiont which means you have your genetic material, which you got from mom and dad, but then you have all the bacteria, fungi, and viruses as part of your whole organism. And it's that whole organism that thrives. We've spent the last few decades, half a century or more, trying to eradicate these microscopic organisms when it turns out they're needed for health and wellness without question. There's no longer, that's no longer a hypothesis. That is a proven scientific method. And that's where we focus our attention on our research is let's get back the diversity. You know, we have something called extinction events. 
And I think we can all relate to that. You know, we're going to lose the polar bears. We've lost a number of birds. We see insects being destroyed and being eradicated from the planet. Your microbiome collectively is undergoing the same extinction events. When you look at people that still live a very rudimentary life, you know, the hunter-gatherer life, their microbiome is about twice as diverse as a modern first world person's microbiome. And what does that mean? Well, your microbiome, as I mentioned, delivers a lot of genetics to us, but those genetics get translated into so many proteins that transform your food, transform the herbs you eat, transform your ability to fight off infection, your ability for immune system to adapt and learn quickly, very quickly. When you get rid of some of that diversity, you're going to suffer in every one of those. You're going to suffer metabolically. You're going to suffer immunologically. If you continue to eradicate these and we get these growth spurts of these organisms we don't like, otherwise known as dysbiosis, it can change your metabolism. It can change your cravings. You start to then incorporate these organisms, fungi and bacteria that say, Shane, I really want sugar. Give me sugar. Give me cocaine. Give me whatever. They dictate the way your brain works even. They create a lot of how our brain perceives the world and can send us down this path. So the microbiome is like any other organ in your body. It is a critical organ that we want to revive, revitalize, re-diversify. And there's a number of ways we can do that. And we can talk about that later if you want. Let's just jump into it. I've talked to you at the office, at your office a couple of times, and you have mentioned that you've been able to find bugs who specifically influence our metabolism and specifically influence our communication with these addictions and just the clinical aspect of what you're finding inside the lab is so fascinating and, and, and share with us a couple pieces of those. Yeah, they're, it's really fun. And, and it, we're just at the tip of the iceberg. And so the science, although it's new, like, you know, some of the science was 20 years ago, we are on the verge of some major breakthroughs regarding our overall wellness because the microbiome is such a critical part when you look, when you break it down. So the first thing we do is we look at a, let's say a healthy human and compare it to an unhealthy human. And we compare and contrast the overall diversity, alpha and beta diversity of the, of those people and, and start to identify organisms that seem to impart a clinical or a health benefit. So when you look at a thin, lean athlete, their microbiome is very different from an obese pre-diabetic or diabetic human. And then we can say, what's the difference? And as we look at those differences and contrast them, we start to see these organisms that pop up. And then of course, other researchers in academia, of course, they look at those as well. It's not just us. And they find that that organism not only sets the tone for the diversity and that we may have lost it, but you can gather it back by reintroducing the organism, reintroducing the foods, the prebiotics those organisms need, and then lifestyle, Get you know, getting outdoors, uh, exercise, some moderate exercise. And, and those organisms, they evolved to do that. They evolved to live in a human being that is metabolizing new foods, creating diversity, um, exposing themselves to the environment. And when we find those organisms, we in the lab, of course, because I'm on the formulation side and product side not just the science, but also turning it into a probiotic. We look you at are those- the man behind the <laughs> formulations. Yes, you are. So, of course, we have a very particular interest in finding these organisms and then growing them. And over the last 11 years, 
which is why I'm kind of late to the game. You see a lot of people marketing probiotics right now because they're so beneficial. But we've spent the last 11 years finding these unique probiotics and learning about how they live and what they live on, what kind of nutrients do they need? What kind of prebiotics do they need? And that's taken us a while. And then finally, to how, how do we stabilize them so they can actually be put in a pill? Because when you take them out of the body, they're not happy. So we have to replicate the body so that they are happy and then we can grow them up so that you can end up eating them and then follow that eating with the prebiotic formulations that help them thrive. And what we found is, you know, one of the tenets in the microbiome world is diversity is king. The only exception to that is women's urogenital. And we can circle back to that later if you'd like. But diversity is king on your skin, in your gut, um, in your oral cavity. Diversity is king because diversity allows you to metabolize new things. It allows your immune system to always see what's going on in the world by having all these organisms around training it. The immune system is no different than a muscle or a brain. It needs constant training and educating because if it isn't, if it gets lazy, it starts to attack itself. And we call those autoimmune, you know, it is a simplified way to put it. It needs to see new things because it's going to be introduced to new viruses sometimes that emerge into our world. The trained immune system handles a brand new virus much better than a lazy, <laughs> diseased immune system. And that's just the facts. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. Well, you and think so, about what we've seen and with COVID, you've got absolutely. people who are dead, exhausted, had get pneumonia. And then you have people who they go test and they find out that they at some point had it, but they right. showed no yeah. symptoms, right? They so were this able, is exactly what we're talking about. That's exactly what we're talking about in that and that's because we've looked at this one under a microscope. This, this is happening all the time in our bodies. We just don't know it. And this one became so sensationalized that it became such a big deal globally. But there are even now multiple studies coming out of numerous countries demonstrating that when the people that showed the most responsive, asymptomatic or low symptoms, no hospitalization had a healthy microbiome by our definition. The people that seem to have higher symptoms, hospitalizations, and even worse, their microbiomes were distinctly dysbiosis or unhealthy. And that's, that's data that's not mine. That's other researchers' data. So just as you focus on one virus, it's clear that the microbiome is one of your first defenses to the world. And you can think of it as a cloud, you know, like an aura. We have a microbial aura and the healthier it is, the further it extends off of you and allows you to manage these insults in a really rapid way. In fact, some people, as you mentioned, don't even get, it, get symptoms. Why? Because it's likely that that virus never even made it past the microbiome. The immune system was ready. The microbiome was ready. They were off and running. You know, they're, they're perfectly healthy and they're going to handle the next threat with the same fidelity and enthusiasm. When you see a challenge, we as humans, you know, with the FU gene, we have this, we're going to tackle that challenge and we're going to be healthy and thriving and we're going to be happy. Well, the microbiome is central to that fundamental ability to do that. You know, it's, it's, we can explore life. We can do so many things, the microbiome central. So in our case, getting back to your original question, sorry, we have looked at these very specific organisms and then we combine them with organisms that have been researched academically for the most part to make what we call a consortia formula. So in many of our formulas, you'll see new 
probiotics that are partnered with existing probiotics that have a lot of clinical research behind them. And those are the ones you'll see more commonly, like the lactobacillus species, the bifidobacterium species, some enterococcus. There's 20 years of research behind those. And then there's this new emerging research with these human commensals that are being identified on a daily basis that offer us benefit. And when you compare healthy humans, that's where we're finding these, you know, athletes have a unique or, you know, have unique organisms that we can start to tailor into personalized probiotic regimens. And so it's really exciting. And the piece we took further over the 11 years is we found the prebiotics that make it possible. And that's key to my research that it's not just the probiotic. You know, you mentioned something in passing where we do rotations. We do, we want to know where we're at in our cycle of seasons, for example. There's certain probiotics that we want to take in the summertime that we don't want to take in the wintertime, and vice versa. You know, metabolically speaking, cognitively speaking, the, the amount of sunlight we're getting and so on. We partner that with the foods and the interesting oligosaccharides and nutrients that these organisms thrive on. So we've learned a lot about the bugs. There's a number of herbs and nutrients that I've always taught, at least to my audiences, uh, you know, at Systemic and my biome is we take them because they benefit our cells or our mitochondria. Well, it turns out they also benefit the microbiome, things like glutathione and acetylcysteine. They're really good for our microbiome. And I had no idea until we tried to grow these organisms. Some organisms won't grow without glutathione. Some organisms won't grow without having another partner. So we, we can only grow one organism when it has a partner organism already in the media. These are incredible findings for me. In my mind, it's like, that's amazing. There's this symbiosis that's always going on in our bodies and we're just starting to understand it. And I always tell people, it's we're all connected. Everything is connected. You can't just have your thyroid by itself. You can't just have one bifidobacterial strain by itself. Like, that's everything no. is connected. They play all play a role. Now, I just want to make it so simple. When you say a healthy viral, can we call it wide variety? Can we just cast a net like that? It is. It's quite diverse. It's quite diverse. I mean, from the phages, which help keep our bacterium in check. And by the way, phages have been around a very long time and they were usurped by antibiotics. Back in the you know, in the thirties, twenties, and even before we used phages in the Eastern European area to treat things because a phage is specific to a bacterium and there's low risk to things like antibiotic resistance. There's low risk to dumping thousands of tons of antibiotics into our water system and our food system and so on. You know, there's so many consequences related to our antibiotic overuse with phages. However, they're unique to a single organism. For example, we have a phage that only preys upon cutie bacterium acnes. And that's thought of as a skin organism that it's an opportunist. If you have a weak or a non-diverse microbiome, and then you introduce this cutie bacterium acnes and you drop your immune system's ability because your lifestyle and all these other factors, you know, toxins and everything, this cutie bacterium acnes organism will start to inflame the skin. And its name comes from its discovery in acne. That's why, you know, it first was discovered. The phage targets that organism and keeps it at base so that it can't overgrow, can't inflame this skin, can't create pustules and all those things associated with skin inflammatory issues. And more recently, by the way, there's been some new articles released out of, I believe it was Amsterdam, where they looked at prostates 
And for years, they ignored the idea that prostate had bacterium in it. And one of those was cutie bacterium acnes. And they always thought, oh, the person doing the biopsy, the person removing the prostate must have contaminated it with their skin. They've gone back to that work and sterilely removed prostates that were either hyperplasia or cancerous. And they found that that cutie bacterium acnes is there and it shouldn't be. And it found its way you know, from our hands, our mouth and into our bloodstream and has taken up residence in prostates. So it's one of the contributing factors to an unhealthy prostate. So again, phage would look at diminishing or reducing that bacterial population back to a healthy population. And the consequences are all beneficial. The phage lives when he's done, he moves on, he goes back into the environment and helps somebody else. And you benefit from it because you haven't had to use any toxins to reduce the overgrowth of a certain bacterium. And so the phage, these, vi- these viruses that attack bacteria are hugely beneficial, as well as the viruses we live with, the human viruses. And there's so many, they incorporate themselves into your DNA. They come in, they train the immune system, they leave. The idea that we want to eradicate viruses is something I really want to get away from. And how do we share them? Okay, we've just gone through... 12 to 18 months of not sharing with each other. That's critical to our survival. You know, um, human contact is why we're here today. It helps us emotionally. It helps our microbiome. It helps our virome. It helps everything. And we are going, we're looking down the barrel of some upcoming issues, both psychologically, microbiologically, metabolically, that we have sacrificed recently. And we need to get that back sooner than later, because we already know the consequences of that over the last few decades of sterilizing things. We know what that's like, and we got to reverse that back into, you know, do the hugs, hang out, do the, I'm not saying kiss everybody, but, you know, do that social interaction, which develops your microbiome, which also develops your brain, your kidneys, your pros, everything reaches every organ. Yeah. We've are, we're already seeing the effects of this. Yeah. In, the, in every age and every aspect on multiple levels. And, and we could walk down that in a whole nother world, but let's walk down the acne. Yeah, let's not unpack that one, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been trying to avoid it for as long as possible. Yeah, the, sorry. The um, acne side of things, because I know you're getting a product that comes out specifically for that. And I'm guessing it has something to do with that one strain. We do. We have a... And it's patented too, because we went through the research, like I mentioned, and every product we're coming out with, we're doing it one at a time because the research that we're releasing one at a time, and it allows us to put it all together congruently. So overall, we're going to come out with about 14 formulas. The first three are skin-based. So we have a skin probiotic that you take orally. And a lot of that research was done in universities outside of our lab as well. And that skin probiotic works inside out, meaning that as you ingest these probiotics and they contribute to the diversity, they contribute to the immunological uh, benefits, they then radiate that health through the gut skin axis. And that's a well-defined axis. We don't know all the mechanisms, but we do know that probiotics in the gut affect the skin. And there's a number of disease states, which, you know, you can speak to, and I won't spend a lot of time there, but if you look at people that have a very narrow dietary range because of you know, whether it be uh, the autism spectrum disorders, they tend to also suffer skin issues because they're related, they're interrelated uh, with the brain as well. There's a skin gut brain axis. And we want to start working that backwards 
using probiotics and prebiotics. And so what we developed was a oral probiotic. And then in conjunction with that, we developed a topical contains living organisms that benefit the skin. These are organisms that live on the skin and they impart a benefit to the skin. They help create the diversity. They also have some really cool mechanisms that help keep the skin um, not only diverse in, in the way the skin can be, but they produce these postbiotics or these byproducts of their metabolism that helps nourish the skin. They eat the sebum. They, they live on the sebum that you produce. They trigger tight junction facilitation in the skin. And when they do that, that can actually tell the body, Hey, let's worry about our tight junctions right now, because that's a serious issue from the gastrointestinal tract, the gut, but it's an issue with the skin and the brain and, and everywhere on your body. If you have a tight junction issue, it's everywhere. People don't realize that tight junctions are part of every organ. Everything in your body has a tight junction. And if you're opening those up, that's a problem systemically, not just in the gut. So we want to trigger tight junction formation and so on. So that's a topical probiotic. And then we have the final piece of that puzzle, which is the skin virome, which is that cutie bacterium acne phage that you can apply topically. And you have to rub it in with cotton to get it through the, the oil layer, the sebum layer, because that oil will repel phage to a degree, especially someone that has a little bit of oily behavior. And you're talking like this product directly over the skin over an acne area. Absolutely. Over any inflammatory area, actually, but acne for sure. And you can also take it orally, as I mentioned, for potential other inflammatory responses, which we want to deal with because cutie bacterium acnes will get into the body through, you know, you just roll these words off your tongue. Like I know, sorry. I know I really should have like a a running dictionary next to me with definitions because there is a lot of, I just know that they're bugs and they're probiotics and they're strains that our body needs. That's all we need to know. You're the master. (laughs) (laughs) And this one, it happens to be a phage and it's unique to us because not a lot of people have adopted the phage model yet. They're hearing a little bit more about it in science, in the natural products, but we have four phage altogether. And this skin phage is one of them. And it's unique to us. You can't get it anywhere else. And it works in concert with the other products. So we're really excited about that three products set essentially. Yeah. And skin. And and those are the skin biome products, right? Yes, indeed. Yep. Skin biome derma colonizer and what was the viral one? Skin virome. Skin virome. Yeah. I love how because I'm a, I'm a key player on viruses. I talk about them all the time, and I always get asked, you know, where did I get this? We live with them. We live them yeah. with them since the day we were born. Like viruses are part of who we are. It's just a matter of, can we keep the bad guys at bay and keep them in check? And one of the ways we do that is by living with the other viruses because they, they have educated your immune system on the viral world. And if you didn't live with them, you wouldn't have the tools to deal with emerging viruses. So they really set the stage for what's to come. And there, you know, there's estimated somewhere in the neighborhood of a million different viruses on the planet. So we are going to run into them every once in a while. And the more prepared your immune system is, the more successful you'll be as, as a thriving person. That's just the facts of it. So, yeah, and you can even pass them on to your children. They become part of your genetic makeup. Some viruses do. And you can pass them on. All right, guys. I hope your mind was blown as, as much as mine was. Our microbiomes are not just simple. Don't just take a probiotic because you want to take a probiotic. It needs to be rotated with lots of variety. And do it right. Don't just say I'm taking this because I swear by it. 
And that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dr. Shane, thanks for joining us. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Your purpose is just like mine. It's big and it's important. And there's no one else anywhere on the planet who can fulfill it. So quit messing around and go get them. Chip gains. Take massive leaps towards your purpose and come join the 21-day Permission to Heal Boot Camp that's right for you. We begin September 6th. Say yes to yourself and let's celebrate your success next. Pick the boot camp that's right for you here. DrKylieBurton.com Practitioners, we are needed. Let's form an army and step into our purpose all while leveling up together. Come join me in the Beyond the Diagnosis Mastermind. Doors close September 6th and the opportunity won't be around again for six months. I'll see you on the inside. BTDmastermind.com. Mastermind.com